Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez reporting today from San Francisco. A federal appeals court has ruled that California does not have to require state prison employees to be vaccinated against the coronavirus. In its ruling yesterday, a three-judge panel of the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals said the Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation has taken significant steps to protect against COVID-19 spreading in prisons. Advocates for inmates have argued that many of those measures have been loose enforced by prison officials, leading to a much higher COVID infection rate among the jail population. According to state prison officials, there have been 73,000 confirmed COVID cases in California penal facilities among staff and inmates, and 253 deaths. A study from the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health comparing unhoused mortality rates one year before and after the start of the COVID-19 pandemic revealed that deaths among young unhoused people aged 18 to 29 more than doubled. From Los Angeles, KPCC's Unhoused Communities reporter Ethan Ward has more. According to the report, deaths in that age group went from 85 in pre-pandemic 2020 to 175 in 2022. Aaron Casey is the program director at My Friend's Place, a local nonprofit that works with unhoused youth. She says they now check the coroner's website to see if someone missing has died. It used to maybe be one or two people a year. And I think these last two years, it's been more like eight to 10 people. Casey says the pandemic forced more unhoused young people into isolation, which made drug use worse. The study says overdose was the main mortality factor. This is our next generation of of leaders and activists. We're just hemorrhaging so much of our nation's potential, right? Casey says it's time for authorities to invest in intervention to actively help unhoused youth. For The California Report, I'm Ethan Ward in Los Angeles. The mayors of California's largest cities are calling on Governor Gavin Newsom to continue funding critical homelessness services. KQED's Aaron Baldessari reports the mayors want part of the state's budget surplus to keep the programs going. The state's homeless housing assistance and prevention grants have only been available for three years. But mayors from all over California say their cities rely on their unique flexibility to pay for a wide range of services. Three separate quick-build apartment housing communities. Homeless assistance 
response team. 1,200 shelter beds. Safe parking sites, safe storage facilities, rapid rehousing, permanent supportive housing. The funding has helped the state's 13 largest cities serve 25,000 people and increase shelter capacity by more than 9,000 beds. The state's already committed $1 billion for these grants in the upcoming fiscal year that starts on July 1st, but that money will expire next year. If it doesn't continue, Sacramento Mayor Daryl Steinberg says many of the programs will be forced to close. That's what we're asking for here today, so that we don't hit that fiscal cliff, so that we don't have to shut down any of the, the shelters or the programs we have started. The mayor has called on the governor to allocate $3 billion from this year's budget to continue funding the grants for three more years. The governor's office didn't immediately return a request for comment. For the California Report, I'm Aaron Baldessari. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. This is an election year, and this morning we're continuing our series examining the field of candidates running to be California's attorney general. The current AG, Democrat Rob Bonta, is facing three serious challengers. Last week we heard from one of them, GOP attorney Nathan Hockman. Today, KQED politics correspondent Marisa Lagos has this profile of another Republican hopeful, litigator Eric Early. Eric Early says California is headed in the wrong direction and that he is the guy to fix things. I firmly believe government is the reason for our failures. It's time for somebody from out of government with my experience and background uh, to get in and do what I can uh, to help the people. And, uh, you know, I fight for all law-abiding citizens of all races, creeds, colors, and sexual orientation. Early runs a business and entertainment law firm and hosts a Friday night talk show on the Los Angeles AM station KABC. As a lawyer, Early says he's helped scores of people who are being targeted by mortgage fraudsters. But he's also quick to cite his constitutional litigation, like a defamation case against a host of media companies. And this. I brought what is now widely recognized uh, as the first lawsuit in the country against uh, what is now publicly known as critical race theory. Both that case and the defamation suit were unsuccessful. But Early, who volunteered on the campaign to recall Governor Gavin Newsom, boasts other views that will likely play well with the GOP base, but could make it challenging to win. Among them? I believe Trump won and Joe Biden lost. There's no evidence of that. Still, Early opposes universal vote-by-mail, questions the security of electronic voting machines, and says he'd investigate the state's entire election system as attorney general. 
But he cites public safety as the AG's top priority and says he'd use the power of his office as well as the bully pulpit to help roll back criminal justice reforms he says are making California a, quote, criminal's paradise. For the California Report, I'm Marisa Lagos. The University of California will offer free tuition to state residents who are members of federally recognized indigenous tribes starting this fall. UC President Michael Drake announced the change in a letter to UC chancellors last week. UC student regent Alexis Atzlevesky Zaragoza is a UC Berkeley senior and a Californian with Chicana and Cherokee roots. She says right now, far too few Native Americans attend a UC school. You know, there's lots of students who just don't even apply. I know I was one of those students, unsure if I wanted to apply because I knew it was so expensive. And so it gives us a lot of high hopes for people who will be able to make it further and then also bring that back to their communities. University of California officials also want to extend scholarships to Californian members of non-federally recognized tribes. A bill is making its way through the state legislature that would allocate millions of dollars to help farm workers deal with the state's devastating drought. The legislation from San Joaquin Valley State Senator Melissa Hurtado would create a $20 million fund to provide monthly payments to eligible farm workers. The bill advanced out of the Senate Human Services Committee last week, where Hurtado spoke. With no end to the drought in sight, some farmers are having to make the tough decision to reduce planting and in some cases fallow portions of their land, leading farm workers without hours or without work more than ever as they lose vital work opportunities. To combat this, we must consider new creative approaches to legislation that gets California farm workers the resources they need to meet their basic needs. Now, if this bill is approved, eligible farm workers would receive $1,000 a month for three years, with the ultimate goal of lifting them out of poverty. To be eligible, at least one member of the household would have to be a California resident, working as a farm worker from March 11, 2020, until the first of this year. The household must also have received benefits under the California Food Assistance Program. Let's turn to energy. Governor Gavin Newsom has promised that California will halt all in-state oil and gas production by the year 2045. But the state is the country's seventh largest oil producer. So what might that transition look like, specifically in the San Joaquin Valley towns literally built on oil? Well, in this next story, Valley Public Radio reporter Carrie Klein traveled to rural Kern County to find out. It's a Friday night in Taft, a small city perched in the dusty hills southwest of Bakersfield, and there's a standoff in front of the old Fox Theater. Think cowboy boots and 10-gallon hats and a sheriff's posse wearing gold stars. Make sure those guys ain't sneaking in on us anywhere around here. They might. The tension builds, and then... Let's get them, boys! The bullets are blank, of course, and the whole shootout is a game. Guys, put your hands up, put your guns down! It's a preview, in fact, of an Old West-themed festival that happens here in October. Brian Selman's playing the sheriff. But it's just a really good time for everybody to get together and promote the town's history and the uh, oil industry. The festival is called Oil Dorado because 100 years ago, this city was built on top of Midway Sunset, the state's most productive oil field. And today, locals will tell you the economy is still built on oil. It made me who I am. I grew up here. Oil raised my family, gave me an education. It's in your toothbrush, it's in your floss, in your basketballs, in your soccer balls. Oil means everything. Oil is a way of life. That's public relations expert Chris Lowe, 
dental hygienist Julie Ortlieb, and Josh Bryant, a city council member and school district executive, who all came downtown for the show. And so, with Newsom's promise of an oil-free California by 2045, locals are worried, including Renee Hill. Taft is very upset by what's going on in Sacramento. Hill used to be on the city council. Now, she sells antiques and flowers on the main drag. She loves this town of 9,000. I'm a Taft girl. My dad was a doctor here. I grew up here. But a future without oil? That might be progress for the climate, but it's hard for Hill to imagine. Taft will shrivel. I mean, I can't fathom what we'll do for ourselves. It's not just the billions of dollars in county revenue, the tens of thousands of well-paying jobs, or even the millions in oil property taxes that fund Taft schools. Standing at a massive bronze statue of an oil derrick downtown, Taft Mayor Dave Knorr points out that oil companies support community events and workers mentor high school students. The producers and the companies that are a part of it are much more than employers. They're community partners, and they have their fingerprints on every beneficial program that takes place in this valley, as well as in this community. Many feel it's short-sighted, even foolish, to think we can do away with fossil fuel. Like Fred Holmes, the owner of a small oil producer. He argues that ditching California's petroleum is just nimbyism. We'll be exporting the industry, he says, to countries with fewer environmental protections and civil rights. Us citizens, including yourself, we're not going to give up our energy. Are you going to give up your energy? (laughs) No, you're going to support Saudi Arabia. Kern is also the state's largest producer of renewables. It's home to a quarter of our solar and more than half of our wind power. But as Noor told me later, those projects just don't create as many jobs as oil and gas. That lip service about replacing the jobs that are being lost is just that. It's lip service. Those jobs and the economic impact to local communities are just as intermittent as the energy they produce. Taft is still waiting for the so-called just transition to renewables that the state government has promised. For The California Report, I'm Carrie Klein in Taft. And that is today's The California Report for Tuesday, April 26th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez in San Francisco today. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from the Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved youth. Stanford Healthcare, alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area. Now's the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Abdel Fattah from Throughline. 
If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. 